The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. on Wall Street, and here is your top five at five investors waking up with a case of Wall Street whiplash with stocks coming off their best day since early March. But futures, they are back lower. No prime deals here. Shares of Amazon slammed after posting its first quarterly loss in seven years. It is not just Amazon. A rough morning shaping up for Apple investors as well as that stock slips in the face of supply chain concerns and a weak outlook. Elon Musk dumping some $4 billion of Tesla as he moves to take Twitter private. And it's back. Our wall of inflation. One year later, we'll show you the price moves on 16 different things in the past year from cars to corn. It will be eye-opening. Promise. And it's all happening on this Friday, April 29th, right here on Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. And as always, welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Good to be back with you. All right, happy Friday. Let's get right to it and check out these markets and your money. Futures, unfortunately, they are down across the board right now. The Dow is not down by much, but as always... It is a story about big tech. Watch NASDAQ futures. They are down far more than the Dow, even on a numbers basis, down 107, Dow down 75. So NASDAQ off nearly eight-tenths of a percent. Now, if the NASDAQ ends like this, long way to go, obviously, but if it ends like this, it will be another down week for that index. The NASDAQ off now nearly 18% so far this year. Thursday, of course, a different story for all the major averages. They did rally but let's check the bond market right now. The 10-year yield up a little bit at 10.84%. Oil rising again on Thursday, mostly on Russia concerns. Oil here now back above $105 a barrel. But the real story, maybe natural gas. It is less than 20 cents away from hitting 7 bucks per unit once again. It was there briefly a couple of months ago. It fell. It's going back up. If it goes back up, it will keep electricity prices high across much of America. Of course, in many places in America, you're already cranking the air conditioning here. Not so much. It's 37 degrees in New York. Someday spring will come, but eventually it'll get warm. We'll crank the AC and those bills are going to go higher. In crypto, Bitcoin's at 29,400 and change. All this, by the way, as the U.S. dollar index continues to store. The U.S. dollar, kind of its own story. We should probably do more on In the meantime, your big stock story are two of the biggest names in the world, Apple and Amazon. First up, Amazon. It is losing more than 8% right now after posting its first quarterly loss in seven years and its slowest sales growth rate since 2001. Is the U.S. consumer finally starting to break? A good question. Amazon Outlook also coming in well short of estimates. Wow. Then you got Apple, a rosier quarter, topping estimates on nearly every metric. However, 
A lot of attention is always on Apple's outlook, with supply constraints projected to cost the company as much as $8 billion this quarter, and shares of Apple, they're down 2%. As always, much more on these names all morning, all day long. Of course, right here on CNBC. Well, around the world, you did have a sharp rebound overnight in Asia. Things just getting started in Europe. Let's get more on both. We got Rosanna Lockwood in London, who's giving us a lot of green on a screen. And we like to see it on a Friday, Rosanna. Thanks for a little good news. You are most welcome, Brian. Yeah, anything I can do to help prop up those markets in my green jacket this morning. There is a lot of green out there. As you can see, you've got the Kat Gahans and the DAX in Germany moving up in stunning lockstep. Both have been up by around one and three tenths so far this session. Meantime, here in the UK, minor exposed stocks, they're doing a bit better. So you've got the FTSE up by around three tenths, but it is still a laggard of the session. It's not up by that much. What we've inherited here is this strong lead from Asia, which I know you're going to focus on. But those tech moves were quite something. And that has really fed into the tech story as well this morning that we can't say it's all to do with Asia. There's been independent tech stories, especially from Dutch tech stocks that have done particularly well. The broader Euro stock 600 is up, but it is not up as much as one would hope by the whole month of April. Of course, this is the last uh, trading day of the month of April. So we are glad to see a bit of positivity out there. But it's it, overall, it's not been a great month here, as I know it hasn't been for you guys stateside. We're still dealing with a lot of those macro factors as well. Rosanna Lockwood, thank you very much. We appreciate that. Some green on the screen over there. What about the Asian markets? Get to Sherry Kang, who's in our Hong Kong bureau as well. Sherry, what's happening in Asia? So a couple of factors firing up at Chinese stocks and technology names, especially here in Hong Kong. So Beijing once again promising to step up its policy support. That's coming out of the Politburo meeting. So overall mood is pretty good. Shanghai Composite ending the day higher by 2.4 percent. And then we've got to China and U.S. regulators reportedly close to a getting to a resolution when it comes to auditing the U.S. listed Chinese companies. So, so that actually improved the sentiment as well. But take a look at what happened with the Hong Kong stocks. The Hang Seng Index pushing higher by 4% in this remarkable rally at the end of the morning session. And that's not even the biggest action. The Hang Seng Tech Index rallying. 10% higher, that perhaps a piece coming from SCMP this morning, suggesting that China might be ending its technology sector regulatory crackdown in order to give that technology sector a bigger role in boosting a slowing economy. That could actually be one another factor helping out the stock. So we don't see that every day. 10% gains when it comes to technology sector in Hong Kong. Alibaba up 15% and Tencent up 11%. Brian? All right, Sherry Kang in Hong Kong. Thank you very much. All right, let's now get back stateside. Despite yesterday's gains, it has still been a rough month. What's new in 2022, right? With one trading, trading day to go this month, the Dow is off 2.2%. The S&P down over 5 Both are on track for three losses in the past four months. But big tech, that has been the big story. It's doing even worse. The Nasdaq losing investors nearly 10% of their money this month. That is the worst month since the pandemic and lockdowns hit all the way back in March of 2020. Even worse, and I'm sorry to do this to you folks, happy Friday, the NASDAQ 100 dropping 9.3% this month. If it ends there, unless we get some big rebound today, that would be the worst monthly performance since the heart of the financial crisis back in November 
of 2008. Think about that. Wow. Let's come for some perspective on all this now with Bill Stone. He is Chief Investment Officer at the Glenview Trust Company, a recent article in Forbes as well. Bill, thanks very much. You wrote in Forbes, and I'll summarize, correct me, that earnings have been pretty good. So for those who didn't read it, to what do you attribute this crazy week 2002 for the equity markets? Well, I think you've got two things going on. So one is, and I think it's a big one, is really the the thought that the Fed is going to have to hike so many times that eventually it may break the economy, or maybe that's an overstatement, at least slow it enough uh, that it will eventually show up in earnings. You know, it won't probably be this year or or, uh, you know, right away. But that's the I think the concern going through is that there's getting to be less chance of a possible soft landing. I think the second part is and you're seeing it, you know, you talked about a bunch of the stocks today. You know, last week was really Netflix kind of cratering a whole, uh, you know, the whole media area and frankly, kind of continuing to weigh on those very high expected growth stocks. Um, those have continued to be really the, I'll, I'll say, the weakest part of the market. Is there a reason why? Is this not a recession next month, although that negative GDP print certainly spooking a lot of people yesterday. Is there a reason why we're seeing such poor outlooks from companies? Is it inflation, a slowing consumer? I mean, look at Amazon, Bill. Yeah, so I will say the the GDP print was a lot worse uh, on the headline than reality. Uh, when you look underneath, the consumer continued to spend, and frankly, for the U.S. economy, that's what really matters. So um, I, I think you know part of what you're seeing, you know, so let's let's go to Amazon. Uh, is you are seeing costs show up for some businesses now. Amazon, at least from what I looked at, they spent a lot to expand capacity. That really weighed on at least the e-commerce side of the business. The cloud business was extremely good. Um, you know, if you say, hey, they put money into expanding capacity, eventually that's going to pay off. You, you know, yes, yeah, short term, you know, I guess loss for a long term gain, uh, it'll be all right. But I think you certainly have seen the cross currents of if you don't have the demand to meet up with the uh, with the cost increases, it's showing up. Right. And that's yeah. falling to the bottom line. And I, and Bill, I know, listen, you're out there at the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, obviously a huge, we talk about insurance, but a huge consumer company as well, not just candy, but furniture, jewelry, et cetera. I know the consumer, the data has shown the consumer has been spending. I think, as you'll agree, the worry is will the consumer keep spending? Exactly. And the balance sheets still look good. And obviously the job market's good. So you would think they would. Now, again, they can get spooked and stop. Uh, and again, you're right. That's what the worry is. And maybe you'd argue some of the worry might be, you know, like what we, what we see in Apple is not the current quarter, but are they going to have the supplies again? Another problem with getting supplies so you can sell them. Yeah. What are you hoping to hear at the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting? What could be the comforting message from Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, and 40,000 people all in a convention center there in Omaha? Well, it's always comforting because they always think, you know, talk about the long term, but let's get a little shorter term. So I do think because you mentioned it, Berkshire is so wide ranging uh, and, and I don't think 
you know, Buffett and Munger are uh, apt to sugarcoat things is maybe what they're seeing across their businesses in terms of demand and cost. So I, I think that's a good one. Uh, more specifically, as a Berkshire owner, uh, I'm certainly interested in the insurance business and in particular how they think Allegheny, the new acquisition uh, that's in process, is going to fit in. Uh, I also think it'll be interesting to see if they think insurance has gotten to be a better business recently. Uh, I suspect they will say that with interest rates moving up because they, they benefit somewhat from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, it's great to be back in person. It's great to have Buffett and Munger back uh, out there in Omaha. Bill, have a great time. It's going to be a, a very important meeting on a number of levels. Bill Stone, Glenview Trust, thank you very much. I think it's 20th year out there in Omaha, by the way. To another big story and wrapping up what has been a very busy week for Elon Musk. Bertha Coombs was, you know, Bertha, I know it's 5, 10 in the morning, so I'm not advocating a Bloody Mary or any kind of alcohol. But if we were an <laughs> evening show, which maybe someday, we, wouldn't that be great? If we played drinking well, we are Elon Asia, Musk this so week. Yeah, yes! It, it is cocktail hour Hong in Kong, Asia, so we could be doing that. <laughs> I love Exactly. Exactly. One, one other reason why I like you. If we played drinking Elon <laughs> Musk, I'm not sure how the night would go. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's like he certainly keeps it interesting, right? <laughs> Good morning to you, Brian. <laughs> so we've got new disclosures out late last night showing Elon Musk sold roughly $4 billion worth of Tesla shares in the days following his bid to take Twitter private. The bulk of the sales were made Tuesday, according to the filings. The same day, Tesla shares fell some 12%. In response to the filings, Musk taking to, what else, Twitter, last night to tell his followers no further Tesla sales planned after today. The share sale coming amid a new report from Bloomberg that Musk discussed job cuts and a possible subscription model as a way of monetizing Twitter, telling teams of bankers his track records at Tesla and SpaceX speak for themselves when it comes to generating financial returns. Also following the possibility of new regulatory headwinds for Musk's purchase of Twitter, some key Senate Democrats, including Senate Commerce Chair Maria Cantwell and Senators Ed Markey and Richard Blumenthal, are suggesting Musk should testify about his plans for Twitter. But Brian, no hearings are scheduled at this time. But that would certainly be a big draw. I could imagine that would be an all-day affair if he were to go before Congress. It would be probably like those Howard Hughes hearings in the Aviator where Congress was cocky and Hughes just decimated them. I kind of, if I was Congress, I'd be very careful about putting Musk in front of them. I think we know who might, who might get the better. Bertha Coombs, thank you very much. All right, we are just getting going on a Friday when we come back. It is not just Apple and Amazon disappointing investors. Another company in hot water as well. We're going to break out the name next. There's your chart. Who is it? I actually don't know, so I'll find out with you. Plus, why shares of Donald Trump, remember him? Why his social SPAC is spiking this morning. Later on, much more on Tech's Wild Week and where Jeffries think you should be putting your money right now. Stick around. 
people today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome or welcome back. Time now for some Friday big money movers. Here we go. Stock number one is Roku. First quarter earnings beating forecasts. Active accounts rising 14%, just over 61 million. Streaming hours, by the way, also jumped revenue guidance for the quarter. But that guidance coming in, though, slightly below what everybody expected. Roku a little higher right now, but kind of cold comfort for all you shareholders. Roku stock. And what has arguably been a very tough year for anything related to streaming is down about 60%, 6-0%. Ouch. Stock number two, that is your mystery chart, and that is Intel. Sales falling in the first quarter, missing forecasts. They say the consumer demand for lower-end computers was particularly slow. And even worse, Intel expects the global chip shortage to stretch into 2024. That stock today could wipe out all of yesterday's gains, down nearly 3%. By the way, Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger will be on Tech Check today. That's at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And finally, Digital World Acquisition Corp. If you might have heard that name, it's because this is the SPAC behind Truth Social, former President Trump's social media platform. Shares soaring after Trump posted a message for the first time in months, suggesting he may start to become more active on the app. Trump posting, quote, I'm back, Covefe with a photo of himself at Mar-a-Lago in Florida. Of course, Covefe was a late-night mysterious Twitter typo that grew into a meme of its own. All right, on deck, go grab yourself another cup of Covefe and forget government numbers, because our wall of inflation returns with the real price hikes for nearly everything. Plus... A worldwide exchange exclusive with the former head of the Attorney General's Antitrust Office, Macon Del Rahim, his take on Twitter, Musk, Disney versus DeSantis, and much more in an interview you can't miss. That's live when Worldwide Exchange returns. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you 
like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Now to something you're only going to see right here on Worldwide Exchange, what we are calling our wall of inflation. Taking a look at 16 different data and price points to see where things stand right now. Remember, we first brought this to you one year ago when prices and inflation were beginning to rise for nearly everything. We did it again in October to highlight the moves over the past six months. And now, one year later, we're bringing it back to check on these critical numbers and how they have changed over the past 12 months. Now, keep in mind, most of the commodity items that we're going to show you, like grains and metals, they're being priced off the futures contracts you see here on CNBC. So let's go. Here are the one-year price changes. Okay, let's start with oil. You know that. Oil up 62% in a year, even more for natural gas, more than doubling over 12 months, up 152%. That oil move has gasoline prices up 68% year over year. Speaking of driving, if you've unfortunately had to buy a car in the last year, a used one, you know those prices are out of control. The Mannheim Auto Price Index shows used car prices up 16%. What about housing? Well, existing home sales and prices, they're up as well from last March, with the National Association of Realtors reporting a 6% jump on average across America for the sale of a home. On the supply chain side, it is still a very tight and very expensive market. With shipping container costs from China to the U.S. West Coast ports like L.A. up 77% year over year, according to Alpha Liner. I will note they have actually come down a bit in the past couple of months, but over the year, up 77%. For commodities, most are a similar story with a little bit of easing in some. Lumber has actually dropped down 25% from one year ago. Steel, similar story, off 9%. Copper, also down a little year over year, as is palladium. But that's it for the decliners. Do you want an electric vehicle battery? If you do, you're probably gonna need nickel, and that has nearly doubled. Of course, Russia, a major producer, and prices are surging. Now let's talk about something you can eat, food. Because if you've been to, you know, the store lately, none of this will come as a surprise, but we're gonna show you anyway. Year-over-year price gains for these commodities. You got live cattle futures up 16%, beef up. Corn, it's at a 10-year high. Corn futures up 24%. Wheat, greatly impacted by the war in Ukraine. They're a major producer. Wheat prices up 40 9%. Not any better for probably what you're drinking now. Coffee up 48%. And to sweeten that up, you might need some sugar. And that is up as well 6% year over year. Wow. So there you go. Round three of our wall of inflation one year after the first. And there is a little good news. As you can see, a few things, lumber, steel, some of the metals, they have come down in price year over year. But overall, 
Nearly everything else is still up, up, up in price, some by a lot. Although it is important to say, like I said, shipping containers and used cars, they've actually started to see some prices begin to roll over just a touch in the past few months. So we're going to bring you this again three months from today and see how things have changed in that time. The wall of inflation, only here on Worldwide Exchange. All right, straight ahead, Airbnb taking work from home to a new level, and the Labor Department pushing back on plans to introduce crypto into 401k accounts. Wow. As we had to break a programming note tomorrow, yes, Saturday, tune to CNBC.com for Berkshire Hathaway's annual shareholder meeting. Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger back again. They will answer shareholder questions for five hours in an event that will be live streamed only on CNBC.com. Today's events kick off at 9.45 a.m. Eastern Time at CNBC.com backslash Buffett. And speaking of finance, in April we are celebrating Financial Literacy Month and featuring some of our CNBC contributors and friends. Here is Joe Terranova on how financial literacy positively impacts Wall Street and the markets. Financial literacy has a positive impact on Wall Street. It creates market efficiency, provides liquidity, and without question, it creates strong demand for investable assets, both traditional and non-traditional. It creates an awareness for leverage and risk. And an investor that better understands risk and leverage within the markets is a more successful investor. Happy Friday, or not. Big tech looks to fall once again. NASDAQ futures down nearly 1%. A big reason, Apple and Amazon. Both stocks losing money right now as their outlooks disappoint investors. Amazon especially rough after its first loss in seven years. And Elon Musk selling a huge chunk of Tesla as he looks to fund his Twitter deal. But could the government put an end to that? It is Friday, April 29th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Friday morning. It is 531 here on the East Coast. Thanks for waking up with us. Let's kick off the half hour with a look at stock futures, and I'm sorry to say they are not looking so hot. You can go back to bed or getting up a cup of coffee or whatever it is. We are seeing markets lower across the board. In fact, those losses accelerating a bit. NASDAQ futures now down about 1%. Looks to wipe out basically what it gained yesterday. In fact, it's actually up this week about 0.25%. I know that's oddly specific, but that's the case, about one quarter of 1%. So if the markets hold today, oh, thank you. Look, I say words and things appear on the screen. If the markets hold today like they're looking now in the futures, it's going to have another losing month. By the way, for the month and for the year, look at that. The NASDAQ by far the worst of the group. In fact, on track for its worst monthly performance since the pandemic first hit. In March 2020, the NASDAQ now year-to-date down about 18%. Ouch. Well, speaking of big tech, one big thing to watch today and going forward is Kathy Wood's ARK Innovation ETF. Right now, it's up about one quarter of 1%, but it fell again on yesterday, even as the overall markets rose. And this once darling of the investment world continues to cost investors money. The ARK taking on water. 
It is now back to late 2019 levels. In other words, wiping out more than two years of gains. Look at that pricing, 48 bucks. ARK ETF was over $150 a share, briefly, back in February of last year. So in 14 months, it's lost $100 a share. You can blame a big chunk of ARK's losses on Teladoc. And it was down big again yesterday. It is down again in the pre-market. That stock chart looking pretty, pretty grim. So ARK and Teladoc kind of tracing each other. But remember, Teladoc is a major holding of the ARK Innovation ETF. All right, let's get a check on some of this morning's other top corporate stories that are happening right now. For that, we go back to Bertha Coombs. Bertha, what else do you have on the ticker tape? Hey, Brian, Airbnb is telling employees that they can now work remotely forever. CEO Brian Chesky saying while a small number of roles will have to be in the office and take place there, the majority of employees don't have to come in if they don't want to. They also won't have to take a pay cut if they move away from the cities near the company's offices. Employees can live and work in more than 170 countries for up to 90 days a year in each location as long as they keep a permanent address on file. Goldman Sachs out with its latest forecast for the next Fed rate hike. In the new note overnight, the bank is now confident a 50 basis point hike at its meeting next week with, with another half a percent hike at its June meeting. Goldman Sachs says the central bank should throttle down to 25 basis points, though, in each meeting after that through the rest of the year. And the Labor Department is sounding the alarm over Fidelity's plans to allow its users to put Bitcoin assets into their 401k accounts, saying it risks the retirement security of millions of Americans. The Labor Department says it will speak with Fidelity about its concerns, including the option to allocate 20 percent of one 401k account to crypto, which the Labor Department says or sees as a speculative asset at best. This is one of those things everyone is debating, Brian. You don't see the Labor Department go, sort of going after Fidelity very much. Kind of an odd story there. And I know a lot of people hoping mm. Bitcoin goes into the 401ks. We'll see. Bertha, thank you very much. All right, back down to the markets, your money in tech's wild ride. And it's not a Disney ride, by the way. The Nasdaq snapping a two-day losing streak of the more than 3% gain yesterday. That was nice. But those gains in serious jeopardy right now, thanks in big part to Apple and Amazon. First up, Apple, that stock down right now about 2%. It warned supply constraints coming from China and lockdowns there could cost as much as $8 billion in revenue for the current quarter. That's not a lot for Apple, but it's enough for already spooked investors. So that stock down over 2%. Also, Amazon, it is down big right now after missing revenue forecasts. They got all kinds of economic challenges right now, according to them, not us including inflation, supply constraints, and labor woes. Amazon reporting its slowest quarterly sales growth since 2001, 21 years ago, and its first quarterly loss in seven years. Wow. Joining us now is Jared Weisfeld. He is Jeffrey's Managing Director and U.S. Technology Sector Specialist. Jared, great to have you on. Michael Burry, who is, of course, the guy from the big short. He made all the money shorting stocks. He likes to tweet and then delete he briefly threw up a tweet yesterday basically saying, there's your slowing U.S. consumer Amazon. Now, he is short the market, so he kind of, I guess, hoping for bad news. How do we read Amazon? Is this the first sign of a truly slowing American consumer? 
For sure. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for having me on. So, you know, the Amazon report was certainly pretty, uh, pretty nasty underneath the surface, right? And I think the, the bigger problem with Amazon was the, the deleveraging in the model, right? So let's just take a step back here. They reported Q1 operating income that was 31% below consensus. They guided the high end of the June quarter, 56% below consensus. But a lot of that was very Amazon-specific. I'd actually take the opposite point from the standpoint of the health of the consumer. And this is true of both Apple and Amazon earnings calls. They went out of their way to talk about the health of the consumer actually still remaining fairly okay. You know, inflation is certainly continues to be a key concern to the extent prices remain stubbornly high. I think there's clearly the fear that the consumer will slow down. But as of now, I actually think we're getting somewhat of a blessing from two of the largest facing consumer tech companies globally that the consumer actually is hanging in there. Yeah, but I guess, Jared, hanging in there is is good, but it's not as good as the consumer is growing. The consumer is spending more. How much are inflation and interest rates? I guess we'll call it the, the dreaded double I. How much are they hitting the sector altogether? For sure. So let's take a step back, right? I mean, to your point, interest rates are moving higher. The 10-year yield is approaching 3%. That's a significant move considering yields were about 1.5% to start the year. The Fed's pursuing hawkish monetary policy to combat inflationary pressures, slowing global growth. It's impacted tech disproportionately, as you just mentioned earlier, right? NASDAQ's the worst subsector uh, year-to-date, given concerns on the impact of consumers, slowing IT budgets, and a lot of these work-from-home COVID beneficiaries reverting. But I would certainly just caution reading Amazon as a proxy for the health of the consumer. Remember here, you know, the world is reopening. And if you look at e-commerce as a percentage of retail spend, you know, that's going to be slowing as people, you know, are no longer stuck in their homes. And don't forget also, you know, the competitive landscape is certainly more intense than it was two to three years ago. I think a lot of, you know, tech investors sometimes uh, forget that there's competition is heating up. You look at a lot of the omni-channel competitive landscape, right, with Walmart and Target. Uh, they're not backing down. They're investing heavily in their online digital ecosystem. So, you know, I actually think Apple's probably a better proxy, right? When you come here, you look at Apple's revenues growing 9% year-on-year against a 50% comp for a very high-end smartphone. I think that's a better proxy for the health of the consumer. Yeah, so what's key to you going forward, Jared? Obviously, this was a huge week. It was the first week, I think, in a long time or ever that all the biggest names came out in the same week. So now it's over. We know. All right, what's your next big data point? What are you watching for either from companies, from markets, technical levels? We're kind of going into a vacuum. We got the Fed next week. That's kind of a big deal. What are you watching most closely going forward? Going forward, I think the... The, the question will continue to remain sort of the, the health of the consumer and how do we think about potentially moderating inflation prints over the next two to three months. To your point, we've got the Fed next week. We had a more benign CPI print a few weeks ago, and the CPI comps are getting really, really difficult here, right? If you think about how inflation stepped up last year, the comps are going to start to get pretty significant, pretty difficult, and the Fed does that, right? So does that act as somewhat of a silver lining here? You know, I, I think the other thing to think about for for tech here is, you know, the market has come in considerably. Valuations across all of tech, you know, that's a comment across MFANG, semiconductors, software. It's, they really come into fairly reasonable levels, right? MFANG as a group is trading at about, you know, 11 to 12 times forward yep. EBITDA. Google is trading at a S&P multiple. And the, the one thing that's also yep. important to note, while there's been a ton of selling pressure as 
the rotation continues out of tech, the one person, the one group that's not selling is private equity. We've had $50 billion of software M&A in just the last few months. So I think that private equity put is very much alive and well and certainly, certainly something to keep note of. Yeah. A very good point, Jared, on the deal front and a little bit of optimism there from Jared Weisfeld of uh, Jeffries. Jared, we really appreciate you coming on early on a Friday. Have a great day. Thank you very much. All right, we are not done yet, folks. In fact, on deck, an interview you cannot miss. Former DOJ antitrust head Macon Delrahim will be our special guest with why tech and media investors, all of you out there, should be focused on what is happening in the political world right now. And as we head to break, a couple of other key money headlines happening now. U.S. Steel looking strong, posting record profits on rising prices and improving demand. Also, Western Digital topping the street, offering upbeat guidance, WDC trading up, but somebody called a sheriff or Little John. Robinhood shares down yet again off double digits. Well, actually, it's reporting a 43% drop in quarterly revenues and fewer active users as retail trading loses steam. That stock down 11% right now. It is below $9 a share. Wow. We are back right after this. All right, welcome back. Got a very busy world in the world, I guess I should say, of technology and media happening right now. First up, new disclosures late last night showing that Elon Musk sold roughly nearly $4 billion worth of Tesla shares in the days leading up to and following his bid to take Twitter private. The bulk of the sales were made Tuesday. That, according to filings, that was the same day Tesla shares fell some 12%. That's probably why they fell. On the media side, reports this morning that Disney is pushing back against Florida's regulatory offensive behind closed doors. The Washington Post reporting lobbyists for the company are working with Ron DeSantis' office to find a solution that would allow the governor to save some face, while in reality doing nothing to impact Disney's operations in the state. Your next guest is one of the most powerful corporate attorneys in America right now. He's got a lot of experience in dealing with companies and governments. Megan Del Rahim is a former assistant attorney general for the Department of Justice, also served as chief counsel of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and is now a partner of the law firm of Latham and Watkins. Honored to have Megan join us now. Getting up early, Megan. We really appreciate it. We got a lot of CEOs that watch CNBC and this show in particular getting up early. If you were advising uh, Bob Chapek and Disney and Ron DeSantis, you put them in a room together, and maybe you have, uh, what's your advice on how to navigate? Not only their specific situation, but this incredibly politicized world where every comment by a CEO or a politician is scrutinized by people like us over and over and over. Well, good morning, Brian, and it's great to uh, be with you again. Uh, you know, that's a that's a tough call. It's it's a world that uh, look, a Disney is just one of the great American companies, an incredible brand with just. Uh, some of the best intellectual property there is in the world. As a father of three young children, um, I'm a big fan. And, you know, things like Disney Plus and thinking about vacation Disney cruises is a is an almost must have for us. It's I think that's, you know, the, the saga that Disney is dealing with is just a great lesson for how uh, corporations today in this environment, almost everything, whether you're in, a, in an industry where it's highly regulated or you rely on the government, whether it's you know for tax rebates or for intellectual property laws, uh, how important it is to make sure that your actions 
uh, are considered and the counter political actions in today's heated environment is also considered in what, in what they do. You know, there's a lot of discussions about multiple stakeholders for corporations, but one, you know, I think important stakeholder that corporations shouldn't forget uh, is the shareholder as well. Yeah, and I think that's a very interesting point, an important one to make. And I mean, you go back and I, earlier in the program, I referenced Howard Hughes sort of tongue in cheek and his famous hearings on antitrust and, and airlines, obviously, Leonardo DiCaprio, people may, may not know the story, but maybe they remember the movie The Aviator. And that was really kind of like the last time we saw this level of, of almost personal battle between a major company and major government, in this case, the governor of Florida. Is there a winner here or is it ultimately whatever happens kind of both sides, you know, both sides losing, both both fighters ending on the mat? Well, you have, uh, you know, we're in an environment where we're a lot of folks are living by social media. You're having pushback. You know, members of Congress are not really uh, at times interested in finding solutions to problems, but really reacting to the Twitter mob. Uh, and, you know, it's my hope that antitrust doesn't get into that world where actions are taken based on popularity by a certain you know, vocal minority on Twitter, as opposed to what's good for the economy and what's good for law enforcement. But that is where we're headed. And, you know, it's a political environment. There's no question. Uh, no, Governor DeSantis, by definition, is a uh, uh, is a political actor here. Uh, Disney has uh, had to live by the, you know, with the benefits of government action, as well as some of the problems with it. But I think it's good for both yeah. of them. Disney has benefited quite a bit from being in Florida. And, uh, you know, I do hope that they resolve it, uh, whatever d disputes that they have. I, you know, I, as you may know, uh, I was an immigrant. I came here when I was 10 years old from, from Iran fleeing the revolution. We landed in Los Angeles area. And uh, the, the most memorable moment and the one thing I wanted to do when I came to the United States was go to Disneyland. And that was the happiest place on earth for me. And so I'm sure there's a lot of people in all corners of the world that think about Disney in that way. And I think they need to think about the importance of the brand, uh, how to repair that for the families and for the consumers uh, ultimately. But hopefully they'll resolve their issues with the government. I have yeah. all faith that they That's, have a hey, you, you and I might have been there in Anaheim on the same day, hoping our parents would buy the e-ticket making so we could ride all the rides. If if you remember what that is, then you've dated yourself like I have, by the way. <laughs> Don't politicize amusement parks, I guess. I want to go to antitrust, okay? That's not really antitrust, but there were reports at the Federal Trade Commission maybe reviewing Elon Musk's purchase of, of Twitter stock as he's publicly sort of talking about it and now obviously may win the company. How do you see the current administration's antitrust approach now? And do you think it will maybe impact Musk's Twitter deal? Well, I think the administration's antitrust approach is something where, you know, we are in a brave new world of antitrust. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, there's agency actions on, you know, seeking document requests that have no bearing to the competitive forces of a particular transaction. They're done for delay. Sometimes they're done for you know, whatever reason. Uh, I just bring you know, an example of Amazon and MGM, which I wasn't involved with in either the government or the private sector, but that probably took longer than it needed to take uh, given just the natural overlap. 
I've heard the calls and recently one of the think tanks uh, that you know doesn't seem to like a lot of mergers uh, just called on the government to use antitrust forces as well as communications authorities to block you know Mr. Musk's acquisition of Twitter. And just on its face, I do not see a lot of overlap. And I think the government will bear a heavy burden to explain if it, you know, if that's a type yeah. of deal that takes a review that takes too long. Now, what was reported yesterday, and I don't know much about the, the facts of it, might deal with technicalities of sometimes, you know, you have to make certain filings and trip wires. Uh, in fact, uh, Jay Clayton, former chairman of the SEC and I uh, got together and proposed some reforms in that area so that unwitting you know, merger participants and investors are not tripped by some of these antiquated rules. And we'll see what happens with the agencies with some of those reforms. But that is that might be what I, I think that some of the news reports are referring to. You think the deal gets done ultimately? Well, I don't know about the contours of, you know, the tender offer and all of that. But as from an antitrust standpoint, I really don't see what, what the overlap or the competitive concern here could be in any way. And I've heard, you know, some members of Congress also calling on the antitrust authorities. Uh, I think it would be a, a, a real shame. And I think it would be, an, uh, you know, unless they articulate uh, some kind of a theory that is credible uh, yeah. at, at front end. This is a deal that should probably get a review no more than 15 to 30 days. Wow. Uh, there's been a lot of people, a lot of people inside Twitter reportedly in the media sort of panicking, uh, for lack of a better term, over this deal. But you think it might get done. Macon Delrahim of Lathan and Watkins now. Macon, we really appreciate you coming on. An important time. Thanks for getting up early. We'll talk to you again soon, I hope. Take care. Thanks so much, Brian. All right. You're very welcome. All right. Let's head to break with some big news out of China and maybe some comfort for those of you holding stocks in big Chinese technology companies. A major Chinese newspaper reporting now that the Communist Party may, may be set to end some of its regulatory crackdown on big tech. That headline in the South China Morning Post, look at that. JD, Mituan, Alibaba, Tencent, they are all up double digits or more right now on that headline. Stocks well off their highs, but a little bit of maybe cold comfort on a headline from a Chinese newspaper. We're back with David Katz of Major Katz Advisors next. All right, before we wrap up on this Friday, a reminder about our big CNBC Pro Strategy Session this Monday. Great four guests for you. It is a CNBC Pro live stream, one hour, unscripted, off the cuff, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. We are live at the Milken Global Conference in L.A. You're going to want to hear it. If anything, just to see us Switch out guests live on a live stream. To register, go to cnbc.com slash pro slash talks. All right, let's talk now more about these markets. It's been a rough year. Bring in David Katz, always a steady hand, chief investment officer at Matrix Asset Advisors. David, you are the definition of a steady hand. You're kind of a cool, calm, cool customer. You've been through these kind of downturns before. A lot of the audience and a lot of investors have not. You know, they're new investors. Everybody was making money for years. Now they're not. What's your sort of word of wisdom to newbie investors out there? Don't get caught up in the negativity. When the market is going down like this, the news all looks bad. Typically what markets do is they rebound very significantly, much quicker than people expect and out of nowhere. While there are a lot of things to be concerned about right now, there's also a lot of good out there. The economy is actually doing quite well. The consumer is very strong. 
And with this recent pullback, stocks are selling at okay valuations. And there are a lot of stocks out there that are very attractive valuations. So we'd be a buyer into weakness. Uh, We would not be concerned about uh, where the market's going over the next year. And my apologies for such a short interview, David. Just so much breaking news. I am sincerely sorry. What what parts of the market do you think look the most attractive to you right now, David? Well, financials had a particularly... uh, significant pullback. Their earnings season was okay, but they did have some concerns with rising rates. We think that's behind them. We think financials are a great buying opportunity now. And we also think technology, select technology, is a good place to be. David, would you agree to come back for us and and have a much long... Yeah, come back soon and have a much longer interview. Our apologies. David Katz, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend, folks. We'll see you Monday live from the Milken Global Conference. Squawk and the gang picking it up next. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.